This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Great to be together. A lot to cover, a lot happening as per usual. Uh, Let me see here. Who am I talking to in just a few moments? Um, Oh, yeah, Jason Thompson. This was a great get. We'll be talking in a few moments. Jason Thompson is the Georgia committee man, the Georgia committee man. Uh, serving on the Republican National Committee, who was in charge of the resolution that was passed. I mentioned it yesterday, which says, hey, 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 let's have paper ballots. Let's have paper ballots. Good start. Good start. Hand counting is what we need next. But paper ballots is a good start. The problem is if you just do paper ballots, which is a piece of paper, you mark it with a pen or other otherwise poke through it or something. Paper ballots so you can track that, audit that, see that. The problem is, <clears throat> excuse me, if you count that in a machine that's controlled by somebody else, it doesn't give you much confidence. But it's a start and it's progress. And importantly, and I'll ask him about this, the RNC has no uh, legislative authority, so it's persuasive more than it is uh, uh, particularly uh uh, what do you call it? Proscriptive, proscriptive, meaning nobody's bound by it, but at least it gets people talking in the right direction. It's a start. It's a start. So we'll talk with uh, Jason uh, Thompson uh, in a few moments. Also, a little bit later on, I will. we will also speak and get an update from Derek Evans, my friend Derek Evans, who's running for Congress in 2024 in Virginia, West Virginia's first congressional district against an incumbent Republican. Uh, Derek was uh, convicted, pled guilty to a misdemeanor from January 6th, served a little bit of time, I don't, 30 days, three weeks in jail, and uh, came out uh, and has said, hey, look, he was already elected to the state house in, in West Virginia, and now he's going up to the big house in Washington, D.C. Congress, not the big house to jail but uh, from the big house to the big house it should be his book i should tell him that and um good guy so we'll get an update from him on his race on what's going on the funny thing that made me think of him uh extraordinary he posted on i think truth truth social a post of him his mugshot and tr- and president trump's mugshot and then president trump retruthed him he retweeted re- reposted uh Derek evans uh truth so uh pretty extraordinary and uh, we'll talk with him all right But first, what you need to know, what you need to know today, today's wink. First of all, what you need to know, two things. One is go to ProAmericaReport.com and sign up for the Pro America Reports wink. What you need to know email comes out each day, 8 a.m. East Coast, 5 a.m. Pacific. Sign up there and get signed in. Second, if you're in the Midwest, if you're anywhere in the Midwest, get yourself to St. Louis. EagleCouncil.com, EagleCouncil.com. You can go there and find out about Eagle Council, which this year is on the 15th, 16th, and 17th in St. Louis. It's not expensive, but it'll change your life. It's the right people together. It's awesome. So go to EagleCouncil.com and sign up, and uh, you won't regret it. We hope to see you there. We've got so we've got a great J6 event. We've got a great family, a pro-family event, big pro-life event. Um, it'll be It'll be awesome. So Okay, what you need to know today, I want to draw your attention, I want to draw your attention to a very specific aspect of what's going on. And it, as usual, as often happens, the attention was drawn to this by President Trump. And, you know, the other day I talked about his comments on the Panama Canal and how they echoed with uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's comments and things like that. But here's one that he uh, on his Truth Social Network put out a truth about this. And he said, how is it that there can be an indictment, the January 6th indictment, uh, among others, but how these things can be based almost entirely on the findings of the January 6th? He calls it unselect committee. And this is right. Now we have seen 
that the select committee that was Congressman Benny Thompson and Congresswoman Liz Cheney, they were the Democrats and Republicans who orchestrated this select committee on January 6th. It was selective about what they allowed to be seen. It was selective about how they edited video and embarrassed people and made people uh, uh, fear for their life. That's what happened to Congressman Barry Loudermilk. He's had death threats because of the way they lied about him with video. They, they, the selective committee selectively chose snippets of video of depositions to try to make it look like one thing happened or another. And it worked. They had a, a couple of dozen hours. Well, I, I get probably about eight or 10 hours total of select committee hearings, but around it, dozens and dozens of hours of TV coverage so that two things happened. The country was brainwashed, and especially the D.C. jury and judiciary was brainwashed to say that what was some acts of violence in a protest might even call it a riot. And they turned it into an insurrection, which it was not. It said there's no evidence of that. It's never been charged. It's not real. So this selective committee selectively editing. And then here's a trick they did. The selective committee, Cheney and, and Thompson, they deleted. They deleted the videos. I mean, they they they, they deleted and, and got rid of documents before they went out of office. They were voted out of office in the 2022 election. And so their term ends in the last days of 2022, actually the first couple days of 2023. And as they went down, they threw out this massive report, 750 pages, Never mentioned the pipe bomber until three or four times in the footnotes in at page 705. A pipe bomber. We had a pipe bomber targeting both major parties. Ah, we didn't even get to it. The selective committee pushed out a report, deleted video. They admit this. We deleted video, got rid of whole sections of their investigation. Because why? This was not an investigation about the truth and facts. It was a political witch hunt. And it's was it was used. It is being used. It has been created in order to spread lies about January 6th, or at least say it this way, to not allow the truth of January 6th. In other words, if you distract people and brainwash them and get them talking about one aspect, they'll never see the rest of the, the aspects, the, the facts. They'll never, for example, if you don't talk about the, the threat, there was two bombs placed in a place that could have killed uh, uh, more than one, maybe a dozen, maybe two dozen. I don't know how big the bombs were. We never know. But it could have taken out the Republicans at their office building, the, the, the RNC, right behind the RNC and the Capitol Hill Club, the dining club, or at the DNC, right at the parking garage where the members drive in and where Kamala Harris, then a senator, but vice president-elect, drove in that day. So we have been fed a line as a nation from the selective committee, and it really was the definer. It was the definer because it was the narrative machine. What you need to know is the narrative machine worked perfectly when it comes to January 6th. The selective committee of Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney that selectively edited, selectively deleted, selectively lied, that committee promulgated stuff and big media and big tech took it from there and they said oh yeah look at this oh, look at this look at this look at this here's a snippet of a woman she's a 25 year old 23 year old kid she says xyz we're going to cut it we're going to cut the video in such a way it makes it sound like she said oh the president did this she's a kid she's a staffer and the rest of her video is deleted so we can't see what she said before or after and here's the point president trump's truth said how are we trusting how are we relying on the 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 
the selective committee, the selectively deleting committee, the selectively editing committee, the selectively lying committee of Benny Thompson and Liz Cheney and the Congress. How are we supposed to trust them? And why are we relying on them? How does that even happen? How can that be a system? What you need to know is it can't be. And my call has been for the current Congress, the current House, to reconstitute and reconstruct the record of what happened and see what the the reality of what happened and what was going on and what you know exactly happened on January 6th. The only way to do that is to make public all of the aspects of this. And we'll have to, for someone, for example, the transcripts, we do have the transcripts of the depositions, even though they deleted, they delete, they went ahead and deleted the, uh, the videos. Um, <clears throat> they went ahead and de- deleted the tran, uh, the deposition videos. We have the transcripts, but we don't know what else we're missing. So we should just have this massive reconstruction project and get the record of the, of the January 6th Congress of, of the house, of the house and the government get a huge record posted online, including the video including the video, then you can say to the public, have at it. See if you can figure out exactly what the truth is here. Not sure you can, not sure you'll be able to cut through it, but you might as this would be a better use of your time than trying to rely on what happened. What exactly happened in the, uh, the, with the um, January 6th. And it will be made clear, by the way, what happened with the select committee. It will make clear that the select committee is uh, totally fraudulent, totally political, and it's a total hit job. It, it's a it's a fantastic opportunity. And when that happens, if that happens in the next, say, two months, it will shine a light on these cases. It will shine a light on these cases. These cases, these legal cases will at least have more light. Because right now, what they're relying on is intimidating witnesses, intimidating juries and jurors, intimidating judges and prosecutors into one way of thinking. What you need to know is there is a path to shine the light on January 6th, and it runs through the current House, the Republicans in the House. They just have to have the courage to do it. That's what you need to know. We'll take a break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, we have a uh, very honored and uh, pleased that we could get him on. And I was just apologizing. Uh, my my uh, machine wasn't working uh, as well as I would have liked. Uh, Jason Thompson is the uh, National Committee Man for Georgia and serves, therefore, on the Republican National Committee. Uh, had a busy week last week because they were out for the debate, which happened in Milwaukee, which is also the site of the uh, 2024 uh, um, convention. So there's always a lot of sort of uh, setting things up. But from the standpoint of news in my mind i was really pleased and interested to see that there was a resolution that was adopted during that time and um and he was the leader on it it's a resolution urging a return to excellence in american voting and elections uh so welcome jason how are you sir i'm doing great thanks for having me on 
Well, it's great to have you. So first, tell our listeners, and I've talked about them before, but tell us a little bit about resolutions. You're on the RNC, which is the body that governs the Republican Party nationally. There's uh, uh, 168 members, which is 50 states, plus some of the territories each get three. And there you are. What's the resolution committee? What are resolutions? How should people uh, understand? It's a, in this case, about a one and a half page document about elections, which we'll get to. But what, tell us about this. You serve on the resolutions. Uh, did you serve on the resolutions committee or did you just get a resolution through? Don't tell us about I, yeah, this. that's that's the strange part. It was more of a God thing that I was that I was there because I was holding and you know how this is from previously serving on the RNC. Yep. I was holding the proxy for another member. Oh, uh, actually, not even my state and my region who had the thankfully the confidence in me to uh, to be on the resolutions committee that day. So I'm not ordinarily on it. Oh, wow. Uh, all right. So what is it? What tell us what a resolution is, what happens uh, uh, and yeah. what happened in this case and what the what this resolution does? Yeah. So let me one of the good. Let me just tell you what a resolution the listeners, what a resolution is not. Obviously, you know, some people get, get really fired up and think it's legislation. Right. It's not. Right. It's right. more of a policy statement and a suggestion. But look. All over the United States, Republican grassroots activists and Republican officials have really been looking for some direction on this because right. we've seen so much drama and messed up things going on with with the voting systems. And and uh, so that's that this was desperately needed. And the resolution is entitled Resolution Urging a Return to Excellence in America Voting and Elections. And. In a nutshell, really what it is, it's not a one size fits all type of suggestion, but what it, what it is doing is it's encouraging, um, states to, at the very least, use hand marked, uh, paper ballots. In, in other words, have an auditable trail. So, so you can actually have a real audit or a real recount. Mm-hmm. There, there's some states, and I've seen this in Georgia in the past where, you know, you'll do a recount and it's basically the machine. You just hit the button and it does the same thing. It just did. Yeah, that's, that's, exactly, that's, that's ridiculous. Exactly. I mean, that's exactly, <laughs> that's exactly right. That's a, that doesn't, that doesn't give it, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, uh, in, in the system. Uh, we're talking again with Jason Thompson, the national committee man from, uh, Georgia that before him, the national committee man was a guy named Randy Evans, served for a long time. Very, very capable, uh, attorney, uh, one of uh, Newt Gingrich's close advisors for, for a very long decades and decades. I went on to serve as an ambassador, uh, under the Trump administration. And so, Jason, you follow in good uh, shoes. So you mentioned the resolution. They pass a lot of resolutions. And I remember when I was on the RNC, sometimes I thought, well, they just gave us a good resolution. And, you know, at that time it was Reince Priebus. And it was kind of like, OK, I'll let you guys, you, you conservatives or you, you know, your Tea Party types get that. But, you know, we're going to carry on with what's going on. That's the worry, I think, Jason, for a lot of grassroots. They say to themselves, OK, a, a resolution that says make the system more accountable. Excellent. Auditable. All right. Now, can we get that done in our states? In, in Democrats are and liberals are getting people to act on these issues in states, passing laws, getting activist judges, even sometimes getting rhinos to try to uh, file uh, uh, resolutions to or even legal actions to try to remove Trump or whatever. Can, can, can is there momentum, Jason? Can you can we find a way to get Republicans and conservatives to enact some of this stuff? I think definitely over time. My concern is before this next presidential election is their time. That's the real worry. I know there's, you know, the only way to do it in in, in certain states really would to be call call a special session to, right. to yeah. some laws for this stuff. Otherwise, um, 
otherwise it's problematic and, we, and we're going to, you know, we're, the next legislative session is when we'd have to pass it, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there's, there were a lot more resolutions than, than just this one too, that were good ones. And, and honestly, I've, a lot of times I've, this, and it was, like I said, I think it was a God thing that I was on there this time because a lot of the times there's resolution like, ah, no, these are okay, whatever. But there were some real solid resolutions, even besides this one. I mean, there was a uh, resolution supportive of an emergency declaration of the southern border, which is uh-huh. important. If you don't have a border, you don't have a country. Right. Um, a resolution to protect children from unsafe sex trait modification and experimentation. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, you know, I just saw a friend of mine sent me an article this morning, Montgomery County, Maryland, Muslims, Christians, uh, LDSers, just an interfaith thing. They're all protesting what's yeah. going on in the schools, pushing transgender education. This is even starting at pre-K. Yeah. And so they are they're upset about it and uh, and they're uniting together. So that's and I'll, I'll get to another thing in a second about our faith engagement committee because this is something else we want to talk about. Oh, good, good. I do, I do want, I do want to mention. But let me go back for one second to the elections. Uh, by the way, we're talking with Jason Thompson. JasonThompson.gop is a website, his website, where you can see all of his stuff. His Twitter feed is there and others. Um, but Jason, pausing for a second, I, I was talking about this yesterday on the radio show, and, and then I was off the air. I was talking to some friends. We were excited because Mike Lindell had this conference so a week and a half ago. There was lots of hey, let's get something done. This fits right into that. I think he was talking about this on one of the shows yesterday. Um, But here's the wrinkle. And I ran the election board in St. Louis uh, years ago, 15, 16 years ago. Um, The wrinkle is this. If you have hand uh, marked um, uh, paper ballots, and you still have systems, electronic, that aren't uh, checked and audited. You, you, there's, a, there's a gap. Now, I'm not blaming you. you this is a resolution in, directionally. But again, I, I feel like we're, um, we have to, you know, being good at ballot harvesting on our side is not going to, they're better at cheating because we're not cheaters. Conservatives don't cheat uh, generally. We don't lie generally. Uh, on the left, they lie and cheat. So I'm worried uh, about the sort of momentum again that uh, that we we build that momentum and i'm worried that that the leaders and all the candidates republicans at the national level are not um they don't see the path and i, I don't know i mean i don't know whether the rnc can lead on it or not but i'm just worried about that and i hear it from grassroots folks well we're trying and that's why the resolution was passed matter of fact there weren't any there wasn't any dissent hmm. uh after we were out of the committee and then out of the uh you know the general meeting of the 168 mm-hmm. um so that's that's good. Um, right. That's that's a good sign. And uh, everybody seemed to be on board. I mean, there was obviously some debate. Um, there were some some changes. But, you know, ultimately, or I, was, I would say originally, Mike Lindale came up with the resolution and Tyler Boyer, a friend of mine out in a, a National Committee man, Arizona, was the one who presented this resolution, right. which it wasn't just through uh, Lindell's group. It was like a many other, you know, stakeholders, uh, grassroots activists worked on this stuff and then brought it to the committee, uh, presented it myself, another, another person on the committee with me, Patty Lyman, Virginia. She yeah, sure. Yep. Great. And, um, and we, we pushed really hard to get this passed in committee. Um, so real quick. I just got about a minute left. Uh, tell me about that faith engagement group. I think that is important. Our, our friend Tamara Scott, who's been on the program a number of times yeah. from Iowa is great. So give us a little rundown on that. Just a minute or so, please. So this is a little, Tamara has a, it's kind of an, basically a group for the 168 for a prayer, you know, prayer. Yeah. Yep. The, this is an actual committee, uh, mm-hmm. faith oh, engagement good. committee. The, the oh. chair is Robin Armstrong. 
oh. Texas National Committee man. Yeah. Uh, the co-chair is Beth Campbell uh, from Tennessee, National Committee woman. And you can go, listeners can go to faithengagement24.com, sign up. There's actually monthly prayer calls. Ted Cruz was on not too long ago. Um, David Barton was on not too long ago. So there's like lectures and prayers and anybody can get on these calls. Hmm. It's great. All right. Hey, that's very cool. I just found it on the, on the internet too. Yeah. Thank you. That's cool. That's very helpful. Go ahead. Sorry. We're getting pastors together, um, and, 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 uh, and, you know, ministers of, or of other faiths as well, Hmm. because, and, and ultimately we're going to have in the near future, a faith engagement summit through the RNC. So look for news on that as well. All right. Hey, thank you, Jason. Good timing, too. You just hit it. Um, I've got to run. It's uh, Jason Thompson, National Committee Man in Georgia, leading on elections, leading on faith engagement. We'll talk again soon, Jason. I'll put you on my list, and I'll, I'll get back in touch. Thank you. God bless Thanks you. For having me on. Thanks. Bye-bye. Okay. All right. Bye now. We'll take a break, everybody. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Back in a moment. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. Uh, my friend, my friend. I was going to say my next guest is my friend, Derek Evans. Now, over the last couple of months, uh, we've become very friendly. I uh, spent some time together uh, most of the time, I guess, Derek in New Jersey. I don't know how we'll have to, to rediscover that. He's a West Virginia boy, and uh, he's been a successful candidate for office in the past at the state level. Uh, there's a story there. And uh, was elected, um, won his election uh, to the state house, and is now running for Congress. Uh, Evans for WV. Dot com evans for wv.com uh derek evans welcome back to the program how are you i'm great ed thanks for having me on man i really appreciate it and i definitely consider you a friend yeah it's been great it's been great to get uh better acquainted and see uh, you and what you're up to who you are so this is a little bit of a funny question but it's perfect um you and president trump who you were with last week when i was up there and a couple of months or so ago um up in new jersey but you have something in common you've both gone through the experience of a mugshot now, I have done a lot in my life. I have not done a mugshot. I hope I don't have to do one, but you know, you never know how it's going. I'm a friend of yours, so it may turn out that way. Being serious for a minute, that it can't be an easy thing to do. No matter whether you're right or wrong or whatever, it's not an easy thing to do. We talk about things that, you know, I don't know, hurt is the right word, but they impact you. It's, and I'm telling because you were arrested for January 6th and, uh, and, and, uh, pled guilty to a misdemeanor and, and, and served a little bit of time to get past it and all. And that's part of your story. But what's it feel like to have a monk shot being serious for a second? You know, it's it's pretty crazy. I ne- didn't really think much of it at the time when I was taking the mugshot because I, w- I was arrested so early in that whole debacle. You know, I was arrested January 8th, so I was one of the first people arrested. I was in shock at the time. I had no idea what was going on, to be honest with you. Uh, but, you know, it's come full circle at this point um, when when with the, the, the Georgia stuff recently for President Trump and his mugshot released. Um, I actually took his mugshot and put my mugshot <laughs> beside of it and posted yeah. it on Truth Social. And uh, President Trump uh, retruthed that. He shared it out. Yeah. And I thought, wow, this is like I never in my wildest dreams ever thought I'd have a mugshot. I never thought <laughs> President Trump would have a mugshot. And I never thought he would be sharing our mugshots together. So, yeah, I guess moments, surreal moments that you could never describe. Um, all right. So uh, but but now we are where we are and we're watching President Trump. He's dealing with um, the courts, uh, the judges trying to set trial dates like unreasonably early and all. Uh, you know, Derek, you went through this process um, and and made decisions for your family and to get where you're getting. But, you know, you must you have a you have an upbeat mentality. You're like a happy warrior, but you must really shake your head and say, this is so far from what America's about. 
I do. And I'll tell you, I just I, I pray for President Trump every single day. And I hope everyone out there does, because, you know, um, my situation is totally different. And re- re- I think his is so much harder because President Trump is is the movement. And he I, he has to probably have the weight of the entire world on his shoulders right now. And, you know, we need to we need to recognize what this man is doing, uh, not only what he sacrificed, but what he's still go- continuing to go through in order to try to save this country. And um, I can just only imagine, you know, what that feels like for him, because I know what it's like in my experience. And I didn't have the entire free world looking up to me and uh, and hoping, you know, that I could get through this. So I, I can only imagine what it's like for him in that regard. And, and hopefully everybody out there uh, keeps him in their prayers. We're talking we're talking to uh, Derek Evans. Uh, he's a candidate for Congress for West Virginia's uh, first congressional district. Evans for WV dot com is his website. Evans for WV dot com. Um, let, let me pause, though, and and say about your experience. Uh, one of the things that happened to you was you were put in a position where, yeah, you were at January 6th. Yeah, yeah, you I walked through the Capitol. Um, uh, and then when you were charged, that it was it was sort of not a fair fight. And meaning they charged you with the walking through, if you want to call it trespass or whatever the terms were for the misdemeanors. And then they added on this felony and they basically sort of put you in a position where you had to choose to gamble with your freedom for a decade or more and your family and all, or take a deal. And it, it's, it's to me, it's the most illuminating moment that I have experienced in realizing how the imbalance of um, power can be so um, effective in distorting justice. And, and you know, you're just, you, you know, it's, it's not fair, but fair is a, a funny term, but it, it doesn't lead to justice. No, it doesn't. And I'll tell you, it's it's so unfair what they've done in, in so many cases in general. But like for me, for instance, my wife and I, we have four children. And so I always I was always told, I always thought, you know, they say if you can't afford an attorney, then one will be appointed to you. Well, I thought that anybody could get a public defender. Well, the, the, the correct answer there is the government determines whether you can afford an attorney or not. You don't make that decision. So my wife and I with four children, uh, if we made over a combined $40,000 a year in our area, then we were they did not have to give us a public defender. And so they refused to give us a public defender. So they basically bankrupted my entire family. Um, and then on, we know we're not going to get a fair trial in D.C. They refused to move that. And then, as you pointed out, uh, most of the nonviolent uh, J6 defendants, if they're not you know, cooperating in you know, whatever, you know, bending the knee to the, to the tyrants in D.C., uh, then they hit you with that 1512 obstruction of official proceeding, uh, which uh, comes with a 20 year felony. So I was facing 24 years in prison, knowing that didn't matter what happened at court. I was going to, you know, the, the D.C. jury was going to find us guilty of whatever they accuse us of and uh, was, was basically out of money to continue that fight. And that's what they're doing to people. And that's that's in a sense kind of what they're trying to do to President Trump in this right. and with all these endowments. So they're, they're trying to drain his resources uh just to, to to affect his his campaign and his life and everything in that aspect well and and you know that w- w- when we get through this uh god willing as a nation you know the crown jewel of this country has been our legal system and our constitution and the fact that the system worked and it had due process protections and people could you know get a fair not fair hearing and a fair and that's out the window at this point and and, and you know there's probably some people in the community maybe maybe minority community saying hey the system hasn't been working for a bunch of us for a while my eyes are open right i'm, I'm looking at the whole thing saying okay how has this thing been distorted? It feels like it's the regime. And in this moment, the the, the powers that be, the deep state, whatever you want to call them, that's been particularly uh, egregious. But back to your point, one of the other things it does is it makes you choose what resources you're going to use. It, you know, one of the judges said, oh, Donald Trump, let's not 
think Donald Trump doesn't have the resources. Okay, he's a billionaire. Fine. But you're not. A lot of the other guys aren't. And then the other resource is time. You know, the other resource is energy. The other normal people, when you're under indictment, you know, the the weight of this on your family, your spouse, your kids, it's it's almost incalculable. And and it's not people are are kind of glib about it. And um, Derek, at this point, when you look around the country, now you're a Congress, a candidate for Congress, um, and you're taking on an incumbent Republican, West Virginia's first district, and Evans for WV.com's website. Um, do you think people, especially leaders, are understanding what's happened with January 6th and the prosecutions? Is it becoming clearer to more people than it was before in terms of leadership that this was an atrocity, not the riot? The atrocity was what they used the riot to do to the American people and to Donald Trump. Yeah, I think people are starting to open their eyes, and I think there's a couple reasons for that. And number one, I think that uh, the, the the continued weaponization against President Trump is is opened people's eyes a little bit. You know, early, early on, people still, and I was one of those people, still just believed that this was, uh, you know, we still had faith in the justice system. Even me, when I was first arrested, I thought they must have think that I, you know, broke a window or heard a cop or something like they're they're going right, to look at the video right, and they're going right. to see that I didn't do those things. <laughs> this is going to be it's going to be dropped. Uh, but I think that that, and I think the other part of it is. Uh, now that we're you know two almost three years past January six, we've got a couple of us who are able who have already went through our sentencing, went through everything. And we're able to speak out now. For the first two years, uh, basically all the the J sixers, the people going through the process, were completely silenced because everything we said was going to be twisted and used against us in court and make things worse. So we we had to be very careful about speaking out. And now people are hearing the firsthand accounts, hearing the the stories from from those of us who went through the process. And I think that's starting to open up a lot of eyes as well. Well, you know, and Derek, um, I just have a minute left, but I know. Uh, well, let me do two things. One, I want you, I want you to mention the Patriot Freedom Project on the board I serve and Cynthia, because I know you uh, value that. And then we'll have you back on because I want to ask you at another time what it'd be like to be in Congress and take up these issues. But I just got about half a minute left. But uh, a Patriot Freedom Project uh, dot com is a website. They stepped up. I, I know you've been very grateful. Oh, yeah. Picture Freedom Project is absolutely amazing. It's endorsed by President Trump and as well. And so what people need to understand is these families have been hurt beyond you, beyond your imagination in terms of financially as well. Most of the people locked up were the pro- primary breadwinners for their families. Right, and right. now we have the government who's coming in. And let's just say you raise $20,000 for your legal funds at sentencing. Now the government is saying, well, we also want to find this person $20,000. They're trying right. to confiscate that money. So if you go to if you go to Patriot Freedom Project and donate that way, uh, the Patriot Freedom Project is distributing that money out to families and helping them and the government can't touch that money. So uh, absolutely go support the Patriot Freedom Project. All right, Derek Evans, thank you as always. A very valuable man in our current climate. Uh, And like I said, he shares a mugshot uh, truth with Donald Trump. That's something I don't know how you put that in your uh, in your in your uh, scrapbook, but you got to do it. So uh, we got to take a break, everybody. We'll be right back again. It's uh, Evans for WV.com. Check out Derek Evans. Be right back. Ed Martin, Pro America Report. This is the Phyllis Schlafly Report, a daily commentary continuing the conservative pro-family legacy of Phyllis Schlafly. Now, here's the president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles, Ed Martin. Trump haters hatched a plan to accuse former President Trump of willful retention of his own presidential paper and thereby abusing a century-old law that has never been used in this way before. The federal bullies also indicted a U.S. Navy veteran from Guam who has been a personal assistant to Trump named Walt Nauda, over the phony separate crime of supposedly lying to the FBI as he voluntarily described his service to the former president. 
Local prosecutors who prosecute real crimes do not regard lying to authorities as a separate crime. Yet that is the federal prosecutor's favorite fake crime to invoke. They threatened their respected author, Dr. Jerome Corsi, with this until he publicized the injustice. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer, a Democrat from New York, famously warned Trump that the intelligence community, also known as the deep state, has, quote, six ways from Sunday at getting back at you, end quote. Just before Trump was inaugurated to his first term, Schumer said on national television that, quote, from what I am told, they are very upset with how he has talked about them, end quote. This new indictment of Trump proves how vindictively the deep state will retaliate. However, if we're going to address the problem of the deep state, we have to understand them. Obviously, the deep state is based out of Washington, D.C. Unsurprisingly, the District of Columbia has voted Democrat in every presidential election since they were given the vote in 1964. Nonetheless, there is no other city in the United States which so overwhelmingly leans to the left. In 2020, 92% voted Democrat. Compare this to the other most liberal cities you can think of and you'll see that no one holds a candle to D.C. In Portland, Oregon, Biden won in 2020 with 57% of the vote. In New York City, Biden won by 73%. In San Francisco, Biden won by 85%. That's the magnitude of the force against Trump that we call the deep state. They are big. They are powerful. They need to face a conservative champion who is a true fighter. This has been the Phyllis Schlafly Report with Ed Martin, president of Phyllis Schlafly Eagles. And we think it's time to take Washington back from the power brokers. At phyllisschlafly.com, we're organizing a grassroots movement to stand against the deep state bureaucrats who control government. For the latest strategies, go to phyllisschlafly.com. That's phyllisschlafly.com. Thanks for listening, and join us again next time for the Phyllis Schlafly Report. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Report. We've got to wrap things up uh, today. Last segment, the segment of the show, we call it the uh, window Often, what you need to do, what you need to do. What you need to do is continue to nurture the uh, distrust and verify uh, model of American life now, because it is so many, so many institutions are just not worthy of your trust. Uh, you got to work for it. And uh, it's a big deal right now. Here's an example of that. Wall Street Journal has a lengthy piece. I think it's supposed to be clever. I, I guess it's supposed to be interesting. I, it feels like a piece, a, a journalistic uh, write up that was fed to the reporter by uh, the people in the uh, PR department uh, of this organization. You say, oh, wow. it's And it's about the organization having this really cool um kind of wellness program and everybody oh it's a it's a challenge everybody does a challenge every spring i think it's in june we do a challenge uh it's a steps challenge you know people get their well they can't wear fitbits because of the a problem at the office and, and they can't use their apple phone apple watch so they, <laughs> this is really interesting they actually have to use the old pedometer you know the old uh, uh thing you strap on your wrist and uh, count your steps isn't that funny uh and sometimes it's in your pocket i guess oh isn't that funny and the story is about the CIA and the, the, the byline, uh, the, uh, the, the byline 
uh, is from Langley, Virginia, which is where the CIA is based. And the whole piece, you know, a couple thousand words is all about how, um, you know, isn't this amazing? Uh, Jennifer Posa is the first w- chief well-being officer at the CIA. And in June of every year, they have this big thing where everybody gets a pedometer and they can't use they can't use the Fitbit because, uh, you know, the technology, you could spy on them and you can't use the uh, uh, Apple Watch. They could spy on you, but you could just go ahead and get your you get the pedometer and you have a pedometer challenge. Isn't that funny? How strange is it? that our CIA has a chief wellness officer and brags about it. I'm not saying that there's not supposed to be somebody on the team uh, of any organization, especially uh, a government uh, entity, especially a high pressure one that would have a job to make sure people are well and healthy. I mean, my aunt, I loved my aunt Mary. She worked for decades for IBM as a nurse because IBM was such a big operation. They had a sort of clinic in there, not a sort of, they had a clinic in the, in the IBM uh, office buildings for the people that work there. And so I'm not saying you don't worry about people's health, but it's weird to me. It's very odd to me. And it's kind of, I think it's pathetic that we have the senior people of the CIA spending their time bragging about this. And going out to the Wall Street Journal and giving them the story and thinking that this is a good idea, thinking that this is somehow, I don't know, uh, encouraging for people. I, it, it, to me, it's the, it's the exact worst of this idea of telling us everything that's going on. And it's the CIA. It's the CIA. I mean, it's not supposed to be, uh, you know, this isn't the, the FDA or this isn't the, I don't know, the, the senior staff even of the, say, the Senate or something. This is the, the, the CIA, which has a very specific mission. And my argument would be this. My argument would be this, that we're to the point now where these agencies and these entities have become so uh, big and so broad and so um, over- uh, uh, mission here now. Here, me, get me. Let me fall into a uh, into the trick here. Mission creep. They have mission creep where they're doing way too many things. They're not an uh, the CIA is supposed to be the ones that are overseas gathering intelligence and then coming back and getting the intelligence and analyzing it in such a way that we can figure out what's at stake, figure out what the threats are, figure out what the problems are. Instead, we're having people spending time. Planting stories, and that's what it would be, you know, making sure these stories are are, are covered by people, uh, by the uh, journalists, and somehow this is supposed to be a good thing. And somehow this is supposed, I, again, it's not the biggest deal. I mean, again, p- people try to justify their jobs, and so they, they're going to be out there and they're going to uh, try to uh, tell people. Uh, and in the article, I think they have... um they, they use the first name of a bunch of the people because, you know, it's the CIA. You're not supposed to tell people, uh, uh, you know, who you are. Um, and yeah, yeah, that's the CIA's rules. So you have a C, uh, Greg and Viola and Nick, and they talk all about this incredible competition. Everybody, uh, steps and participation. Again, it should be, it should be that we're bigger and better than this. And frankly, you know, of all the policies, uh, proposals that people have been saying, one of them that I think has the best chance to succeed as well as is probably um, accurate is to say, look, there's a lot of things that these agencies and organizations within government and institutions do, but they can't do everything. So you're going to ask your FBI to do certain core duties and the other stuff that they that are that is being done. If it needs to keep being done, let somebody else do it. Let somebody else in the system uh, and and find a way um, the uh, to be. Um, 
uh, focused on the things that one group is doing and then let the other things go somewhere else. A little bit like this. You know, we used to have a, a vision of military superiority which was that we would be the biggest and baddest and toughest. We'd have the best armaments, the best trained people, the best system of defending our nation, and people would know it. It goes all the way back to Washington. Military superiority is something that the late Phyllis Schlafly, a term she coined and she used all the time, but it goes back to Washington, who in one of his addresses, might have his second uh, second inaugural address, talked about how you need to have a military that's existing so people can see it and strong so it both deters people from uh doing something to you and has your as your friends believe in you you know it's both you know if your allies know you're strong they feel better about themselves and want to be allies if your enemies know you're strong they don't mess with you well we have to have a core duties of our military or our cia that is not promotion and and all these kinds of things but back to basics do the basics and get the basics clear. All right. Anyway, that's wrapping things up. Uh, CIA, oh, Fitbit or step contests seems pretty silly. Um, thank you, as always, to Noah Dingley, our great producer, Mason Mohan, associate producer, and Ryan Height, also associate producing. We'll be back tomorrow. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro America Report. Back in a moment. This is the Pro America Report on The Answer, San Diego.